Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 33, the Clyde, Creed, Sindrick, uh, or all winners edition of the Grip Strip Podcast, uh, episode 33. I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? I'm doing great, Phil. Um, it's been an interesting season this year, and I think everything for NASCAR kind of comes full circle now. Almost like March was uh, not that long ago, and uh, when the last race was at Phoenix, and we had all the fans, and everything was still normal, and now we're coming back to that, and the season's over finally. Yeah, I'd won three races that were probably really too short to be deciding a champion, and some argy bargy that went on during all of them more more or less the first two races not the cup race because it was they literally didn't have a caution i don't think the entire race um a regular caution so we will talk about william clyde elliott the second uh joining an uh, illustrious list in multiple facets as a cup series champion uh we will talk about austin Sindrick becoming Xfinity champion on Saturday, and then Sheldon Creed on Friday um, in the truck series. So for Chevrolet, they definitely have a lot of good things coming their way when it comes to age and it comes to talent based on the champions they have. Uh, we will go over all those races. We'll go over some of the silly season stuff that's gone on. Uh, thoughts on the season itself and we'll go into more details I think as the offseason uh, comes along for episodes and kind of deep dive more into that uh, we will talk about Valencia for the MotoGP uh, the DTM last week ran uh, at Hockenheim we'll talk about that and then we'll uh, talk about uh, you could get Super GT if I can pronounce their names. Probably not, but it'll be funny. Um, then we'll get into the 12 hours of Sebring, the final race of the IMSA season. There's been some news come out this uh, today and with David Malsher of Motorsport.com and other others in terms of um, rides and people going to different places. IndyCar, there's been some news. Elio Castro-Neves. Um, we'll be running IndyCar again, at least part-time next year, uh, probably connected to where he's going to be racing full-time. We'll get into that, other um, news like that, talk about Bahrain, the final race of the World Endurance Championship season, and then we'll preview the Formula One uh, Turkish Grand Prix, first time in, I think, what, seven years that they're running in Turkey. So that will be interesting with these new cars, totally different car than what they ran the last time they were at Turkey. So that will be something. Um, then uh, in between all that, we'll also talk about, for Josh, uh, we'll uh, talk about his um, experiences with the Open Wheels 500. We'll give you a little bit of color and detail in terms of that race that'll be taking place. A couple of uh, these uh, Indy 500 races are going to be going on this weekend, but um, we're uh, Open Wheels 500 centric here, so we'll talk about that as well. But first off, um, William Clyde Elliott II. Um, most people know him as Chase. And uh, he went out there and and led the most laps and won 
the uh, season finale 500. I can't believe Marcus Lemonis didn't just swoop right in and get the sponsorship of that deal. Uh, that's what he usually does. Uh, that's why he's a great businessman. Um, he usually swoops in when they don't have sponsors for these races and, and does that, but not in this case. They had a really garbage trophy. I mean, I, you can make a case that both trophies that Chase Elliott was holding this weekend were not great looking, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, he ended up winning, led 153 laps, and uh, beat Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin. Um, well, I'll get into my thoughts on the race, of course, in a, in a, mo- in a little bit, but uh, Jimmy Johnson in his final uh, full-time start of his illustrious career finished fifth, started 26, and he finished fifth. So, obviously, um, if NASCAR actually wanted to have an actual race, I think Jimmy Johnson might have had a chance to win that one and walk off with his 84th Cup Series win, which would have been really cool. Um, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, Matthew Benedetto, William Byron, uh, last race for Chad Knauss as a crew chief, and then Martin Truex Jr., 10th, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, um, out just outside the top 10. Bubba Wallace gets a top 15 finish just behind Clint Boyer in his final cup race, full-time cup race, more likely last cup race he'll ever have because he's not that good. Uh, Josh, uh, you know, Chase Elliott didn't pass inspection and he failed twice, had to go tailback, as Rusty would like to say. And um, he basically came through the field uh, like they were all standing still. It almost reminded me of old school Jimmy Johnson with the golden horseshoe kind of deal. And, you know, they had the symbolic cha- tour, whatever, passing the torch, changing of the guard in th- three and four. And, you know, Jimmy was dooring uh, Chase and got that right front fender in there pretty tight. So probably wouldn't have passed those tolerances the same way as that roof didn't pass tolerances at, at uh, Martinsville last week. But who knew that uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I don't think Chase Elliott was, you know, I, I think he was a really good solid driver and he had a lot of talent and I guess there's potential. And of course he sells trinkets and he's the most popular driver for life. But these last two weeks, he's taken a step and went to another level. Uh, Chase Elliott wins this championship, top four, finishes a top four. Uh, pretty straightforward, but it really wasn't as straightforward as it may seem. Yeah, for Chase Elliott, this, like, on paper, yeah, he definitely dominated this race. And he had the issue in its inspection pre-race before the, the start and had to go to the rear of the field. And it was just able to storm up to the front and... Uh, take the lead and for the most part he was able to stay up there and lead 153 laps of course at the end there was a little bit of strategy by Joey Logano to pit a lap earlier and gain the lead which he did for a little bit there towards the very end um, he also led 125 laps Logano did but uh, in the end Chase Elliott was able to make up that time after the final pit stop to go ahead and and pass him for the lead and uh, eventually win the race and he was able to hold on to it and didn't have to worry about any challenges for anybody else or any cautions or anything like that. No, no cautions in the the last uh, stage of that race, and he was able to um, able to set sail and and take home the championship. And what you said just a moment ago with him, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we would have said he was just a solid guy, but 
wouldn't have uh, pegged him to be in the championship for it. And I think that's right because uh, a few weeks ago, like I probably would have said, Hey, he could be like a fifth place finishing points driver or, you, you know, like sixth place or something like that, just short of making the cutoff. But then he goes and wins Martinsville last week. And then this week he is able to overcome the issues in uh, pre-race inspection and then go and win the race in the championship. So a little bit of a surprise, I guess, because I don't think either of us uh, would have picked him. We probably would have picked Denny Hamlin or uh, Brad Keselowski. But Hamlin, I guess, has been struggling here at Phoenix as of late. And I guess throughout the season, maybe they weren't as good as what we thought they were on the flat short tracks uh, of uh, a mile or you know, in, in length or so, like Richmond and and Phoenix and New Hampshire, and I think those are the tracks that maybe Denny Hamlin struggled a little bit more on this year than he did on other tracks. And we, you know, like we, we would have thought that he would have won the championship, but it's not the case. I mean, Brad probably c- could have had a chance, but uh, he didn't have enough ground uh, and enough time to make up. Uh, to take the lead and he was charging there at the end but just had some issues with uh, the pit stops and they were keeping him from uh, making up time and and in fact he was losing spots on pit road and losing track position so for for him that's going to be a what if for a long time if if his crew could have kept him up there and maybe he could have given Chase Elliott a shot at the end it's Chase Elliott's championship and it's his uh, first championship and only five seasons of driving and 11 career wins to his uh uh, resume uh, after this year and uh, certainly a solid career to start out uh, for Chase Elliott though yeah it, and I, you have to look at the parallels it it parallels to the guy that he replaced it, to Jeff Gordon you know Jeff Gordon of course he won in his second season he won two of the biggest races of the on in 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 the series he won the first ever Brickyard 400 of course and then uh, he won the Coca-Cola 600 before that earlier in the year for his first career win. And generally, uh, back in those days, in the early mid-90s, winning as a rookie was very difficult. And, of course, he definitely he didn't do that. He wrecked a lot of race cars as a rookie. But then in 94, he took a step forward. And by 95, he became the guy that everybody knows him as is 90 the guy that ended up with 93 wins and four championships and you can make people argue about you know the format and things like that the format that may have affected uh, Jeff Gordon's bottom line in terms of championships fit Chase Elliott in this spot he was able to while they had been they they'd had their moments and they'd had issues at times this year of course he's made himself a road course um, expert. He's putting himself in the category uh, with, uh, you know, with Jeff Gordon, with Tony Stewart, the old school guys like Ricky Rudd and Rusty Wallace that were road race, the road race Kings in, in NASCAR. And with six road courses next year and five of them in the regular season, um, it really, basically is falling into place that you know there's a possibility here that this chase elliott thing him going and winning these last two races um even the golden horse all these things that might have been it's convenient with the narrative about all four drivers being up front all day 
uh, which is nonsense, which wouldn't happen. I mean, do, Junior, that was my favorite. I think that was one of my favorite parts, and it's one of the reasons why I'm a fan of Dale Jr., announcer guy, Dale Jr., podcast guy, not as much Dale Jr. as a driver back prior to his retirement. Um, he's like, you know, it's amazing how since 2014, every single year, the top four always in points always seems to run up front. And he, he basically called it out for what it is you know like it it's it's not it it's inexplicable that that these four drivers all run up front all day like nothing else is going on when you have 38 four other cars or 35 whatever however many cars out there uh it's nonsense jimmy johnson's proof of that he came from 26 he was up front a little bit he would have contended for the win if there wasn't something going on, I think he would have probably had a chance to win. I don't think he would have beat the nine. I don't think he had a, as good of a car as the 22 at times or the two, but he definitely was better than Danny Hamlin. So you could make an argument there. I, I, I feel like, you know, Jimmy Johnson walking off with a 84th win would have been just as cool as freaking. Clyde going and, and getting a win and a championship, he still would have gotten the championship. You know, they had no problem giving the championship to Crafton uh, last year when he finished second and never won a race. You know, they cried wolf about Matt Kenseth winning only one race in the old format, and they said, oh, that's that's blasphemy. You can't have that anymore. Um, NBC and Fox and all these idiots, they needed to have this stupid format because they wanted to force what happened in 2011 into every round and you know, I, I mean, I think the four car would have ran better if they actually had something to run for. Uh, they definitely didn't, so they kind of mailed it in. I, I think the the whole dynamic of that championship would have looked a lot different if the four was in there instead of the 11, because I think the four would have actually made something happen there. And and that's the thing. That's one piece. You know, we think about Denny Hamlin. We'll go into, I guess we'll go into the other guys. I mean, you brought up Brad. In terms of a place to go and have shit pit stops all day in a 300, just over 300 mile race to have bad pit stops, you can't get away um, with that. Uh, you know, he at New Hampshire, which is the same distance or a little longer track, of course, but same amount of laps, basically great pit stops, great car, same car. One destroyed the field. This spot, pit stops are terrible, and they basically gave the effing thing away. Um, they had, and, and because you can't lose that much time at a track like that and make it, you can't lose time on pit road in general when you consider how close these cars are and what all the format is with this stupid rules that they have. And you know, Brad Keselowski has had, this is probably the closest he's come to a championship since, you know, I, definitely 2016. I mean, he made the final four a couple of years ago, but he definitely wasn't a factor that year. Um, that was, I think, 17 or 18, whatever. One of them years, I think it was, I think that was the one where they always replayed Chase Elliott getting dumped by Denny Hamlin. Yeah, it was 2017. Yeah, 16, he was out of it, and it was Logano that was in. Yeah, yeah, 2016 was, he, he, he was running up front most of the year, but then in the playoffs, 
you know, I think he got wrecked at very one Talladega. Yeah. And Kansas, like there's, there's something happened there. He had a great year that year, but they spit the bit in the playoffs. Um, and that's been kind of the trend. And they mentioned that. And Brad mentioned that it's like how we didn't perform at a level where we believe we should be, or we, and so we needed to make this change. And at the end of the day, standing next to the guy who has his crew chief and his crew, they showed up. They had a relatively good run. Joey Logano's future is set. We know he's going to be the face. His pizza face is going to be the face of the stock car side of Penske Racing. And Paul Wolf is going to be his crew chief. We don't know what Brad's situation is going to be past next year. Um, and to lose the championship the way they did, you could make the argument maybe they weren't really. I mean, he needed to pull a Hail Mary to get into the Final Four as it is. So maybe it was just a case that they just weren't there. They didn't have, they didn't do enough. But they definitely didn't do enough on Sunday, which is depressing. Um, and for somebody who's won 30-plus races, only has one championship, has one Daytona, that's literally the only other thing. Winning a second championship, winning the 500 are the only things that Brad's really missing at this point from his career. He could go and if he wins a 500 and and he would quit, he'd be fine too. He'd be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but unfortunate for him, Logano had had early in the season before COVID. I think if they had been able to run this season out, there's a strong possibility that Joey Logano would be a two-time Cup Series champion right now. But COVID hit, you know, all this stuff happened. They definitely went and dropped off. Uh, they picked themselves up. They were able to win Kansas because of the 550 rules package and then, you know, ran well, well enough in Martinsville and then showed up to Phoenix, had a good car. And they won at Phoenix earlier in the year. Um, credit to them. I think they're only it's only going to grow. Uh, Paul Wolf um, is a great crew chief. He's one of the best in the business. And I think that partnership is going to yield results um, in the long term. Um, I'm going to ask you, Josh, I mean, Denny Hamlin, he gets to this spot again. He's been in the final four many times. Uh, last year, of course, they everyone thinks about the tape that they put on the grill and car overheated. Um, you look at Denny's history in in championship situations outside of his rookie year when nobody, you know, people knew him. He was in the he was in Xfinity. Had won Bush Series races back then. Bush Series, he'd won races, but he comes in, finishes third as a rookie. That was the first of the five championships of Jimmy Johnson. But over time, Denny Hamlin has proven to not be able to close the deal. And now we're two years in a row with him and Chris Gabehart. They're not going to change this. I think they're going to keep that together for as long as Denny wants to drive. But what does it say about, you know, when Toyota puts as much money as they have in this series and kind of influencing rules and things like that? And Denny Hamlin now, of course, is going to be a car owner next year. And how they're not going to prove that they are in a fifth Joe Gibbs car colluding and all that is beyond me. But, you know, what does it say about Denny Hamlin to win seven races? I mean, I think we had this discussion in a sense last week with Kevin Harvick, but Harvick and Hamlin were two best cars all year. And literally the last because of this format, 
the last two races, the two best cars across a whole entire season don't get a payoff. Um, I think it's more shocking that it was Kevin Harvick, but maybe it really isn't considering recent past, recent history in the playoffs. But what about Denny Hamlin not being able to close the deal before we move on to um, Xfinity and trucks? Yeah, for Denny Hamlin is really uh, perplexing his season this year overall. Just just uh, how he performed at times this year, it seemed like maybe he wasn't quite up to the same standard as Kevin Harvick. And then there were other weeks where he was right there with Kevin Harvick and where he was able to beat him uh, at some tracks. But I think you can agree that he was basically the of the two. He was more of the boomer bust uh, type of uh, racer or you know type of season and. You, Going into this race, you could certainly make a case that he could win the title, but he ultimately doesn't, and it's uh, you know another scenario where he just doesn't really do anything throughout the race. And yeah, I mean, he finished fourth, but you know it wasn't a factor at all throughout the entire thing. And for him, I think going you know having many opportunities to win the title i think this year was probably his best chance to win the title given the the type of season that he had uh last year he had a a chance to win as well um you know 2006 probably not like you mentioned earlier i think it's just uh him you know it was that was jimmy johnson matt kenseth that year uh 2010 was definitely his opportunity if he hadn't uh, had the gas pilot situation at Phoenix going into Homestead, uh, 2014 for him. Um, I think he had an opportunity with, uh, uh, you know, going to that race in Homestead, but he was definitely the weakest out of uh, those uh, out of that class and in that season. But uh, for him, I think his career is going to end up mirroring Mark Martin's, and he's going to have a ton of wins. Uh, you know, a lot of, I wouldn't say consistency because I don't think Danny Hamlin's the most consistent driver in the Cup Series. Uh, he's probably maybe a couple notches below like Kevin Harvick and um, you know, even like Kyle Busch or Martin Truex. He's probably the lowest out of all of those and, you know, Keselowski and Logano. But certainly in terms of wins and, and how he's performed uh, throughout his career, certainly looking like it's going to have the Mark Martin type of career where he just has a lot of wins solid career but just uh never comes up with a title and that might not be good for michael jordan he needs somebody that knows how to win titles for for his team next year so it's gonna be interesting yeah i i was joking around about that yesterday how on uh talking in circles uh, that you know for somebody who is not who is definitely proven not to be clutch to be a uh partners with one of the most clutch people ever at least on the court i we could question a lot of his decisions since he's become an owner and an and or an executive uh with michael jordan but you know branding wise marketing himself and of course his actual playing career even when he came back with the washington wizards uh you know, he's one of the great, he's arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. And his buddy um, has not been able to close. And this is yet another example. Uh, you brought up 2010. That's where I think this narrative really started with Denny Hamlin. It's been going on for 10 years now. He really, they really choked it in, in 2010. And it was something he didn't recover from for a couple of years, basically. 
and it may explain some of the other extracurriculars that go on with him, but goes into 2021 uh, trying to win three consecutive Daytona 500s. I don't know. I don't think that's ever been done before. So uh, that would be something, Um, you know, he'll have a car out there with Bubba Wallace. And uh, I think, what is it? Um, I forget who they have. I think the, the guys from the Mike Wheeler, I think, or not, I forget who they said is going to be the crew chief um, and the team over there at 2311. But, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, the spotter. What the heck's his name? Uh, Freddie Kraft. Freddie Kraft announced. Balls. Yeah, what? Everybody and their mother knew that he was going there. It's all bullshit. They're the bullshit talking on 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 DBC and oh yeah, if he ain't gonna hire me, he's gonna run like he he's gonna run like shit. I'm like, look, you guys ran like shit half the time, anyways, whether you were there or not. I mean, that, whether that's because of you, whether it's because of Bubba, whether it's because of that those cars, it's just what it is. I, I think the next year they'll definitely run better on average than what they were running this year. Um, but they were definitely they made they made a lot of progress with that team, which I think gives Eric Jones a lot of uh, positive momentum going into 2021 in basically a limbo year for him, you know, bringing up Brad Keselowski and what he may be doing on a year to year basis. Um, The one thing that would probably keep him there is discount tire sponsoring him. Um, If discount tire dropped off, then, you know, Eric Jones is sitting right there and you get another Michigan kid, a guy who has a ton of talent and potential Penske could go and groom him and he'd really have a you'd have a legitimate future with Joey Logano, Eric Jones, to a lesser extent at this point, Ryan Blaney and um, Gumby, which uh, we will talk about right now. Uh, Austin Sindrick went out there on Saturday, Brian Wilson, that whole entire 22 team and won the uh, Phoenix race 200 uh, 200 miles at uh, Phoenix and beat Justin Allgaier. And uh, that was basically the, the whole entire race. The vast majority of this race was between the seven and the 22 um, after the first stage. Uh, Chase Briscoe was up there in the first stage, won it, and then promptly dropped off, uh, complained about a loose race car the whole entire Whole entire day, uh, Boswell never got the thing tight enough, and then he ended up spinning out just before the end of the race with a cut uh, left rear tire, uh, which could have altered uh, the finish, but instead uh, his buddy um, Austin Sindrick went out there and won the race on that final restart, beat uh, Noah Gagson, Brockshot Jones, Mike Lynette, Allgaier finished fifth, Harrison Burton uh, finished sixth, Chastain in his last full-time Xfinity start, seventh, Haley, who was one of the championship four but never contended, was eighth. Uh, He had issues because of, just like uh, Byron had issues, pit crew with COVID, Uh, same thing happened to Justin Haley. They were using the 43 pit crew, um, which we'll talk about um, uh, 
in a little bit, but uh, to go and fill in there. Briscoe ninth and Jeremy Clements tenth. Uh, outside of that, I mean, you think about some of these guys. Herps Brown were in the playoff. Uh, running the 21 car was in the owner's points playoff, but Myatt Snyder only finished 15th there. Um, and looking over here, blah, blah, blah. Issues for Daniel Emmerich, of course, because why wouldn't he have issues? It was his whole entire year in a nutshell. But Gumby goes out there and proves people like me wrong. Um, I'll, I'll eat my humble pie. Kid actually showed up. And uh, he's proven that he he can do this. Uh, Austin Cindric went out there and took all guyers sold away that so many drivers before um, him took Elliot Sadler's soul. I mean, Elliot Sadler's a tool, and in a lot of ways, all guyers becoming Elliot Sadler. So, uh, what did you think of the Xfinity Series race and all the things that happened for the Championship Four, let alone other people that stood out to you? Yeah, Austin Sindrick winning this title was a little bit shocking to me. I didn't really think uh, he had the ability to do it, and I thought it would be Chase Briscoe taking home the title like we all uh, thought it would be, but then it looked like that throughout the first stage, and then, like you said, he just dropped off and didn't have the car after that for whatever reason. And Sindrick going out there and winning the race and looked like he was checking out at the very end compared to uh, Justin Allgaier and then... Briscoe spins out at the very end and brings the championship race back to uh, being in doubt. And then he pitted, and I was really questioning if that was the right decision. But I think it was, given, I guess, the the tire wear and what they had seen the previous night with uh, Sheldon Creed. And they made the right decision there to go and pit and get new tires. And he was basically able to retake the lead almost immediately. And then uh, Algaier dropped back all the way to fifth and uh, almost like looked like uh, Gregson could have had a chance there at the end, but uh, he didn't have, I guess, enough or he wasn't willing to press the issue and cost Cindric a championship or something like that. But it was an interesting way to finish the race and uh, Algar could have had a chance there, but you know, he just wasn't there at the end. And then they decided to, to stay out on old tires and didn't work out. And, um, just uh, not the way that he wanted to uh, win the race, I think. And uh, it was just uh, a disappointing end for him. And Justin Haley just uh, wasn't there, like you said, the whole the whole race. He was just kind of hanging out in the top ten, but wasn't really like making any moves or strategy decisions to, to try to leapfrog up to the front and try to pick up uh, some laps uh, to lead there. And then Briscoe, kind of a disappointing end to uh, his season, uh, extremely dominant. And yeah, he was like, like we said in the top of the show with Harvick and Hamlin being the two best cars, but ultimately not winning the championship. Uh, well, Briscoe was the best car this year, I think, although non-playoff standings show uh, Sindrick taking home the title. So I guess it, technically the true champion actually did win the championship this year. But Briscoe definitely had a shot there, and and um, it's a good thing he's going to go up to Cup. Uh, he'll have more opportunities, I think, and and definitely he'll uh, show more visibility up there. So uh, for him, disappointing into his Xfinity career, but but he'll have more opportunities in Cup. Yeah, for me, 
that was a race that I was focused on the most. I mean, even though I'm known as a Brad fan, I'm definitely become a Chase Briscoe mark. The fact that he will be driving the 14 car for Tony, uh, one of his heroes, racing heroes, um, driving Tony's car next year is is a cool thing, even for the assholes that want to say that you know, Kyle Larson, why didn't you sign Kyle Larson? And Tony's come out and said, I tried for four years to get Kyle Larson and I couldn't do it. And that was before he went hard R after he went hard R he couldn't get the guy. So what's, so what are you going to complain about? You need to learn the whole story. All these inbreds they're on Kyle Larson. It's like assholes. You want Kyle Larson. He went to Hendrick Motorsports. He's going to play second fiddle to Clyde. He's there for trinket sales the same way as Clyde was until two weeks ago. Um, the fact of the matter is he's going to, there's a higher likelihood that, that Kyle Larson's going to be one or two years and go right back to sprint car racing because his brother-in-law is now a two-time world of outlaws champion. And I'm, um, to be perfectly frank, uh, Kyle Larson's a way better driver than his brother-in-law, um, not only in a stock car, but also in a sprint car. So if if you were to go out there and run a full season in points, running whether it's the All-Stars or it's World Outlaws, I think you win the championship, it would be easy. Um, he'd be the Steve, he'd be like Steve Kinzer. Um, that's what he wants to be. He wants to be Steve Kinzer. He didn't ever said, the people say, oh, he wants to be Jeff Gordon. I think he may have said he wanted to be Jeff Gordon. He wants to be Steve Kinzer. And I think he said that too. So for all you assholes, I said, oh, he should have signed Kyle Larson. He tried. Um, when he actually has a choice, he tries to get people. His in, in issue was he couldn't sign him in 13 because he didn't have an Xfinity program. Instead, they had a house of whore um, and then Nonak and then freaking uh, Gene had to make a team because he was so mad about no neck, not being great. So then he decided to sign Kurt Busch and make it a four car team when they were not ready to even go past two. Um, and they didn't have an Xfinity program. They made one of course for Cole Custer because of nepotism. Um, but he's proven himself over time to be decent. And that's why the 41 car, I guess exists in a sense, because then they could just put him there. Um, but uh, Chase Briscoe, these flat racetracks, uh, the Martinsville double within 24 hours, less than 24 hours, was eye-opening in how bad they ran. They were not even a factor the whole entire weekend. Allgaier won both of those races. Cindric was okay. Same with, kind of, with Haley. And that was the sign where having this race at Phoenix – uh, the final race at Phoenix instead of like Homestead was a really bad deal, um, bad draw and bad luck for the 98 team because flat track program was not good, uh, was not good enough. And um, it proved to be the difference here. Um, Sindrick, of course, accumulated the most points. So in that sense, he is the champion. Don't really question that. So um I, I don't think it re I mean, in, in all honesty, uh, if they had went to Homestead, I think it would have been different. I think it was a cookie cutter track would have been different, but they ran where they ran short race issues for Briscoe. Couldn't get the handling. Then he had a cut tire. Um, they were screwed. 
um, unfortunately. And we'll see who Chase's crew chief is and uh, Spotter moving up to the 14 car because he won't be able to use Tim Fidua. Um, I don't know if Boswell is going to move up, quite frankly. When you consider what Zippy did with him, I'd, I'd rather have Zippy. Somebody call Zippy off of the competition side, being the competition director, and put him on the box. I'd put I'd put him there to be to work with Chase if you want immediate results. But I don't think he wants to go on the road. So um, we'll see which one of those crew chiefs, whether it's Klossmeyer or Bogoravich or whoever the hell they have, uh, will be his crew chief. Um, all guy, of course, he's like the Elliot Sadler now, um, you know, just miserable and figures out ways to choke away championships. And he'll probably blame Chase Briscoe for spinning out and whatever. He probably did. I don't know. I turned the TV off. I, was, I gave up earlier in the race. I knew he wasn't going to win it. And then I come back and he spins out and he's running 11th and didn't matter. Haley. I think is going to move up with the colleague once they move up to cup at the rumors are Matt Collig is going to get a charter. So I figure that's what Haley was waiting on. Um, I figured he was going to move up to the, to run the 77 car. If Spire was actually serious, they say they're serious, but I don't buy it. Uh, they have, I think three charters uh, under their deal. They have the 95, they have the, 78 charter and i forget they have one other one i think they leased that one they leased one of them out to 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 justin marks and i think they leased the other one out to the uh or no the 32 one went to matt tifton blowjob mcclaud uh we have to get into the semantics of all these charters we'll get into that a little later but I mean, Austin Sindrick, the vast majority of people that were in this field here, the top the top six drivers are all going to come back next year, same rides. So that'll be, and no changes really. So that'll be something. Chastain, of course, is moving on. Figure AJ Allmendinger is going to be in that car. Um, Briscoe, of course, is moving on. Uh, rumors are uh, Herbst is going to get into it, so it's just going to be a waste of equipment. Um, after that, you have Clements and Brown will be back. Josh Williams and McLeod got a top 15, which is something. Bailey Curry, um, when he isn't running a friggin' bullshit car sponsorship thing on there, he, he ran top 15. He was actually not bad. Um, Weatherman, both of them, for for a team that's known for being LCD, um, they they ran pretty well. Both of them cars ran in the top 20 on merit. So that's something. Uh, figure Brett Moffitt will be up there next year contending for a back-end spot. So th- there will be some uh, interesting things. Rumors are Daniel Hemrick will be in that third Gibbs car with Ty Gibbs, and then the Cup Series drivers will all be in there. Uh, we will see about that more in, in more detail as the uh, offseason goes on because we'll hear a lot more as the offseason goes on. Uh, truck series event at Phoenix, the Lucas Oil 150 saw Sheldon Creed on a green white checkered going past Brett Moffitt. And uh, that was uh, due in part because of uh, an incident with former uh, uh, GSP uh, uh, show guest uh, Dawson Cram uh, 
going and trying to pass or get out of the way and him and Tanner Gray uh, going and getting together, which caused a caution, which allowed the green-white checkered. Moffitt stays out. Everybody else basically pits. Sheldon Creed goes and does a Robbie Gordon Hail Mary restart and uh, goes from eighth to first in the matter of three turns and uh, wins the championship. And uh, I mean, frankly, if we're going to get into the semantics about who was really the best driver this year or the most standout driver of the year, it was Sheldon Creed. And now he has won an ARCA title and now and a truck series title with Jeff Stankiewicz as his crew chief. And um, big deal for GMS. Of course, he had three of the four trucks. Uh, the best uh, truck that was the best over the most majority of the race, GMS truck. And um, then you have the top two in this race were GMS. And three of the four drivers are going to be coming back. Uh, Sheldon Creed, Robbie Gordon 2.0 going out there and getting that um, championship when it didn't really seem like he may have had the best truck out there most of the night relative, not just relative to the championship four, but, you know, in terms of his own team or in general. Uh, uh, what about Sheldon Creed, young gun, going and winning this championship, GMS? And then I think to a lesser extent, the scorched earth uh, comments that Brett Moffat made, uh, which is on basically on his way out of GMS after losing what looked like was going to be his second championship there um, because of that late race caution um, in the Jimmy Johnson uh, PBS plan B truck there. Yeah. I think it was kind of like the race in the Xfinity series and, uh, Brett Moffitt was able to, you know, lead all the way up to the very end, and then our friend of the pod, Dawson Cram, crashes and resets the field, and then he stays out and doesn't uh, get the win there. And and I guess that was maybe bad timing for him there to, um, you know, have that caution come out because he he was checked out and he had a pretty big lead, like three to four seconds or whatever it was, and. And he was really setting sail and about to win the championship and Kosh comes out and everything gets reset. And then uh, Sheldon Creed uh, seemed like at the very end, like he was fading. And I think Brad Moffitt or Grand Enfinger uh, had passed him for a second and was he was trying to uh, see if he could get up to Moffitt. And then uh, the caution comes out and then Creed goes in pits and, you know, he was able to win the race right there. And uh, Zane Smith had a chance there at the very end, too, but just didn't have quite enough uh, of a uh, run there to really get uh, beside him in his door at the finish line. And uh, Sheldon Creed was just basically able to use the the flat part on the back or the front stretch now at Phoenix and just uh, able to use all that all the uh, ground uh, on the racetrack there and and take the lead and uh it was a very uh, interesting race and uh you know for a while it could have could have been any of them really uh, i mean i think for a bit there maybe it seemed like Enfinger was the weakest one but then he was starting to make up ground at the end zane smith and creed had led laps throughout the race and obviously moffitt was the the most dominant one there but 
it's uh, clear that Sheldon Creed is the probably the best driver in the series, and you have to wonder uh, what uh, he's going to do going forward and how long he'll stay in the truck series and and uh, like which driver or which uh, ride will he go up into the Xfinity series and you know eventually maybe into the Cup series. We'll have to see how that all develops and you know for Brett Moffat he's moving on uh, I guess next year and I actually didn't see the. Uh, comments you're referring to but you do have to kind of feel for him the way this kind of played out that he was the on points he was the the best driver this year and the way that he had kind of came back from his injury and COVID allowed him to heal up and and not have to miss any races and he was uh, still able to have a, a shot of the title uh, the way that he did. It's very disappointing for him to go out like that. And especially with the paint scheme that he, uh, he honored Jimmy Johnson with and going back to the uh, 2006 through 2008 uh, Lowe's scheme that they had back then for Jimmy Johnson. Uh, so not the way that you wanted to honor Jimmy Johnson there, pay tribute to him, but uh, that's, how he's, that's how I guess that it plays out for uh, Brett Moffat this year. Yeah, he, I mean, in terms of what he said, he basically said, you know, the strategy has been terrible all year. And uh, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not going to quote, I can't, I don't remember it verbatim, but basically going and saying that the strategy all year uh, was terrible and that they weren't able to um, put themselves in a position. And once it came down to, a green white checker they were they were out to lunch and had no chance and that's been the case and frankly the the way he went out there i mean i knew he was done and he doesn't have a ride and even if he had won the championship i don't think he was going to have a truck series ride i think he was going to go xfinity racing anyway uh but you know losing the way he did frustration but it sounded a lot like what happened last year too it seemed like a lot of the the interviews he had last year finishing second in a lot of races there was a lot of frustration there uh the gms partnership didn't work out as well as i think he wanted it to or the organization for that matter but then in turn they already have three young guys who all have some semblance of money coming to this organization and they're not really worried about brett moffitt even though I, it speaks of two things. One is his talent and ability, we see it. But then we also understand why probably he's not able to draw as much money towards him because of his personality or his demeanor or what he brings, especially in interviews. Um, even though I don't think Brett, Brett Moff is a bad guy, I find it hard to believe that no sponsor would want to give him at least a, a decent sponsor would want to give him a shot, but... You know, it's the way NASCAR is. They'd rather sponsor daddy's money people or, or you know, whores or LCD uh, people than people have talent. Uh, it's been fundamentally the thing. It's kind of like how it, it goes and flips. You go and flip it to where Chase, it was a, a freak thing, basically, that he ended up getting a connection with uh, the, the people at uh, – at, uh, what do you call high point which is based out of here in in new jersey and there was a chance deal for them to for it to all happen and but it did and it's part of the reason why he had the year that he had this year and it's going to be moving forward into the cup series next year 
but for Brett Moffitt, figure he'll land on his feet. It looks like our motorsports is going to go full time with them. Um, they'll be a contender for the back end uh, of the playoff going into next year because they won't be as deep. And the 98 car is not going to be a factor week to week. Um, 22 is definitely going to be a factor. So, uh, and, you know, Tommy Joe, what is it? You had Brandon Brown. Tammy Joe Martins, and you have the O2. I think those three are going to be battling along with those cellar dwellers like Herbst and Michael Annette and the like over there for the back end of the playoffs. Um, what will be a much, uh, it'll be a little bit narrower uh, field. But in terms of the truck series, uh, Sheldon Creed will be back. Zane Smith will be back. Ankrum will be back for for GMS. Uh, three of their trucks. Not sure who's going to be in the flagship 23. Um, to be determined. No announcements. Nothing has really come out in regards to that. Uh, for I kind of feel like Sam Mayer is going to run until he turns 18, and then once he turns 18, of course he's going to go and jump in the eight car for Junior Motorsports uh, before he likely takes over the nine car or whatever they'll number it. I don't understand the number. Considering Junebug's a history guy and all this, I don't understand the numbers on any of his cars, really, outside of the 88, of course, when they run that, um, or the eight currently. But uh, other than that, I don't understand any of the numbers. They don't have any connection, really, to the, to the Cup Series effort. And the nine really only has a connection to Chase. But... That's I digress Um, for truck series there for Sheldon Creed to get that. You know, I think he has the he has the ability and the talent to eventually get up to the Cup Series. You just wonder how long it's going to take for him to get there and who's going to support him or how it's going to get there. But uh, credit to Sheldon Creed. That restart was badass. It was something that Robbie Gordon would have done, and it makes sense since he's basically Robbie Gordon 2.0, except uh, he's way more mellow uh, than Robbie Gordon ever was. So um, credit to Sheldon Creed, Jeff Stankowitz, that whole entire GMS crew on a Truck Series championship there on Friday night. With that, we will uh, transition into the GSP roundup for this week. MotoGP was at Valencia last week for the first of two races at uh, at Valencia for the MotoGP on all series. Uh, Garrett Gerloff ran uh, practice for Valentino Rossi before he was fully um, uh, cleared from his COVID protocol. So Garrett Gerloff made his uh, debut on a MotoGP bike and definitely um, was respectable and did what he had to do and turned a lot of heads um, in his uh, performance, even though he may have been at the bottom of the table or pretty far down. The fact is he had never ridden a MotoGP bike and to go out there with no experience and do it and be able to give feedback and do it and do what was necessary uh, was a pretty cool deal. Um, and hopefully we might be making a turn towards having Americans back on the grid after last few years of not 
having uh, Americans on the grid. So uh, Joanne Muir, who's the points leader, went out and won the race on on Sunday. Not his first win, but definitely one of his biggest wins of his career to go with now with two races to go in the MotoGP World Championship. He has 37-point lead um, going into the second race at Valencia this weekend. Um, 23-year-old rider um, is is uh in line to uh to win the moto gp world championship which would be the first time since i don't know how many years ago last time that uh somebody that wasn't named mark marquez wins the title uh joanne Mir ends up winning uh sunday over fabio quattro and alex rins his teammate you know, rins has been on a great run here uh, first, second, and second the last three races, but he's had three non-point scoring finishes, um, and then versus the two for Joanne Muir, but in, in terms of podiums, seven podium finishes for Muir versus, was a four for Rins, which is a difference there, uh, Maverick Vinales, fourth, Franco Morbidelli fifth, so the uh, the SRT uh, Malaysia Yamaha team is third and or second and fifth, while the actual factory Yamaha team riders are fourth. And um, in terms of Valentino Rossi, is fifteenth. Of course, he missed a few races, so it's kind of unfair. But then he didn't score uh, coming back last week either. Um, two races ago, so it'll be. It's at this point you think about 25 points. Uh, you know, right now, right now there's only six riders left that could win the championship. It would basically take a miracle uh, for uh, Franco Morbidelli, Andrea Davizioso, or Vinales, real or to really do anything. It's basically Joanne Mir versus Quattro and Rins to see who's going to win this MotoGP World Championship, which will be decided here over the next two weeks. Um, Moto2, the Moto2 World Championship, or, or before, sorry, I, I didn't go over the results. I was just looking at the points. Mir, Rins, Polis, Bargro, and KTM. Uh, he'll be Mark Marquez's teammate um, in in 2021, Takanakagami fourth, Miguel Oliveira fifth, Miller, Brad Binder, Davizioso, Johan Zarco, Danilo Petrucci, the top 10, Morbidelli finished 11th, Vinales 13th, Quattro 14th, and last of the finishers, of the actual finishers, Salvadori wrecked with uh, two laps to go, Alex Marquez, or Rossi had a mechanical, so definitely a nightmare scenario. When it comes to the Moto2 World Championship, of course, Joe Roberts is there. You have, um, you have, uh, 
the you have uh, what's it called? You have um, Cameron Bobier coming over there as well. Um, Ania Bassaini takes a points lead over Sam Lowe's af after Marco Bezzecchi wins for VR46. Xavi Vieje uh, won the pole, uh, but Joe Roberts is up there, uh, but he wasn't able to stay up there. Bezzecchi, Jorge Martin, Remy Gardner, the podium, Bassaini, Baldessari, Marini, the top six. Javi Vieja finished ninth. Jorge Navarro, 10th. Aaron Kinnett, 11th. Nakajima, 12th. There's Schroeder, Manzi. Um, yeah, Roberts ends up having issues. Giantonio Corsi, and the Sam Lowe's crashes. So it's unfortunate. Uh, result there for Joe Roberts after being um, up there uh, to start early in the race. In terms of the points, uh, Bassaini has got a six-point lead over Lowe's, and after that, it's 19 points on Marini and 29 points over Bisecki. That's really where the championship is right now. It's between those four riders. Martin, Gardner, kind of solid in their spots along with Nakajima. Or, or Gardner, yeah, Martin and Gardner. Nakajima and Roberts are battling for seventh in points. You know, Nakajima, of course, has won uh, once this year and um, finished second in the second race. But ever since then, it's basically uh, fallen off the map. Uh, Roberts qualified on pole um, at Qatar and has had some good performances, but otherwise has made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, when it comes to, uh, yeah, we're going to see the guy that's going to be taking over. Cameron Bobier will be taking over his ride next year. So we will see about that. Um, outside of that, you got DTM. Hockenheim this past uh, weekend, and uh, they got a couple of races. This is the final race of the year. I say a couple of races. Here's going the final races of the year. Uh, saw Nico Muller win in race one over Rene Rast and Jamie Green for an Audi and Loic Duval. So Audis one through four. Jonathan Aberdeen finished fifth best BMW. Um, Shout out to Robert Kubica to go and get a top 10 finish along with uh, Philip Engschel and Vanderlinde. And then in the second race, Rene Rast over Nico Muller and Jamie Green. Uh, Audis took the top six spots. Aberdeen was the best BMW again. And what is the last race, last DTM race for these class one regulations uh, before they move to a GT3 uh, format for next year. Rene is the DTM title over Nico Muller by 23 points um, on the strength of what is it? Two actual race wins, and then they have qualifying points there too. So yeah, two wins and a bunch of good qualifying points as well. Nico Muller was uh won more races for sure uh but 
I guess the consistency really wasn't there. I don't know how that math works. 75. I don't know how that math works at all. But, you know, it doesn't look like it makes any sense. But, uh, yeah, whatever. We'll see what a DTM looks like next year with GT3 cars. Um, WEC will be running at Bahrain. This weekend in their finale, uh, prototypes are a little bit on the light side. Figure Toyota will win pretty handily. LMP2 is where all the real action is. Uh, GTLM, uh, we'll see about some of the factory involvement and where that goes. Uh, but they're not as bad off as uh, the IMSA situation with GTLM and GTD. So figure Toyota benefit. At Bahrain, um, there really isn't any competition for them either, so that'll be something. And then the 12 Hours of Sebring final race of the 2020 IMSA season, um, after a very interesting year, they've gone through a lot of changes coming. Uh, Penske's last race, possible to get two straight drivers' championships if Elio Kastroneves and Ricky Taylor can hold on. to get the championship, Pippo Durrani is the closest uh, competitor, and uh, he's great at Sebring in the Action Express car, and before that for Scott Sharp's team, and then uh, Nissan, uh, Petrod, uh Nissan team that they had, or Honda, or I forget, yeah, I think it was a Honda uh, deal too, so... Pippo Durrani, this guy should be an IndyCar or Formula One, but hasn't gotten that shot. Uh, GTLM, probably a Corvette benefit, as the series will be for next year at least, because there won't be anybody else. GTD will come down right to the end. It's a really tough category. That's the one that to watch uh, on uh, Saturday. Outside of, I mean, DPI should be very competitive but so should uh, GTD Meyer uh, Shank right there yeah and Meyer Shank um, they'll be in there with the, they have a chance they have the points lead in GTD uh, before they transition into the DPI category uh, with uh, with the uh, Olivier Pla and uh, likely Elio Castro Dash Neves who will be driving an IndyCar part-time for uh, Meyer Shank Racing next year. But um, we'll get into that a little you know, in a few moments. But Josh, wanted to throw to you. You were, um, We had Tanner Watkins, the owner of OpenWheels.com, the guy who runs the Open Wheels 500, uh, one of the best uh, Sim Indy 500, uh, probably the best Sim Indy 500 there is and uh running keeping all the traditions following the practice schedule etc etc you gave it a shot to go and field over 100 plus entries for the uh open wheels 500 um it was definitely dramatic it was definitely stressful uh let us know um how it went how everything was the whole um week was for you leading up to qualifying and how qualifying went for you well leading up to qualifying uh we had practice last monday or well actually uh, last tuesday i think it was practice and then 
Thursday and Friday, um, and also well Sunday. The the first was uh, the first practice, and then the second one was the uh, I think the third, and then uh, Wednesday uh, or, or no no it was um, Thursday and and Friday were the practices, and the whole time is just trying to focus in on qualifying trim and try to figure out the setup and try to watch uh, YouTube videos on there's a couple vi- videos up there on how to set up the IR18 so watching that uh, look look out for some tips and tricks on on the discord that you know people were talking about and you know there's um, some baseline setups that you can you know go out there and find and definitely was trying to like just play around well not really play around with stuff but you know try to try to do what people were talking about what you need to do is you know set up the the cross weight with uh the you know the left uh front and the right rear uh that's you know what you got to do to uh you know mess with the cross weight and you know you want more weight going towards the you know left rear so you can turn and get that rotation and and then figure out how to uh get the ride height so it's you know low but not low enough where you're bottoming out um while you're uh driving and uh, just just a lot of stuff to really figure out and you know I, I definitely gave my shot with with that and trying to figure out how to get the most downforce without sacrificing the the drag or without you know eliminating drag without sacrificing downforce that's how I should say that but it was definitely uh, a lot a lot to take in um, you know for for me I think um, the I think maybe the biggest uh, thing that maybe I, I didn't have to my advantage was just the 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 track timing i have you know i have a job outside of outside of this um you know i'm there like nine hours a day and i mean i'm not complaining about it but i'm you know just telling you how it is and and you know when you have that and then you had to go home there's other things and so you only have a couple hours to really prepare and and you know get it uh laps in and and um uh it was it was definitely you know like the time that you need to get yourself up to speed so you can be on pace with the the top split people in iRacing, which is basically what this field comes down to is the top split in IndyCar and iRacing. And when you got to do all of that, it's it's really tough. And throughout the week on you know on time, I thought I thought I'd you know be maybe towards the bottom of that. You know, definitely not towards the top because like some of those guys were pulling off like lap speeds in the two thirty ones or you know thirty eight point four. Uh, seconds and and I was always like maybe low 39s like 39.1 it's like 229 I thought that might be fast enough and single lap speed I thought it was okay I was like in the you know mid pack kind of there but uh, when it came down to qualifying um, uh, I would you know practice uh, doing the four lap and uh, you know stint with uh, the warm-up lap and I calculated my average and it was always like in the 39.25 39.25 whatever and which is like 229. you know uh 229.5 or something like that or 229.2 but uh I thought I'd you know really be there at maybe like in the you know uh back in the field kind of but um on Saturday when we qualified uh my first three laps were I thought were pretty good to make it around you know 15th which was uh uh, the time that I had been averaging is that the time at 15th place uh, when when I was uh, trying to qualify it was like a 39.25 second lap uh, which which what I had been averaging in my own practice and 
uh, the first three laps were kind of on that pace. And then uh, the fourth lap, uh, I don't know, I guess I um, didn't hit my marks there. And, you know, I almost hit the wall a couple times. And in the short shoot, I think I actually did briefly scrape the wall. And then coming off of two, just kind of got really out of shape there and really lost a lot of time there. Uh, so I was, when I qualified, I was basically on the bubble and uh, stayed there for a little bit and then got bumped out as uh, more drivers made attempts. And, you know, there was a back to the drawing board to see if I could find more uh, grip in the car that I could use. And I tried tried to uh, flatten the left tire camber, left front and left rear, try to get it as flat as possible because I'd heard that that's basically free grip for, for you and and tried that and it's got a little bit more stable over the course of the run but just didn't have the pace and and that was basically the story throughout the whole weekend it was like just you know a tenth off or a tenth and a half off single lap speed and then over the course of the the four lap average uh, i was maybe like a tenth and a half to two tenths off of what i needed to get in the field so it was definitely a challenge um going against the the top split in indycar i racing uh you know they think the the biggest step for me is to to you know start attempting races on the open setup side of uh the indycar i, I think i do need a license up on the because it's on the the road class c class b for i racing uh for the open setup indycar series and the official open setup indycar series um i think i think i gotta level up one more on the roadside to things which i'll uh, have to do as we go forward but definitely try to get into some of those races and then uh, attempt the iRacing Indy 500, um, get get into try to make it into the top split or or one of the top splits there. Um, I don't I don't know exactly um, that event works, but you know just just try to get in as you know a competitive race as possible, and and um, in the meantime just continue to practice and and um, you know continue to push the car and try to get as close on, on the turns as close as to the the curves without touching it you know on the apron get your left sides there and then maximizing your exit and getting as close to the wall as possible and in, in the coming off the turns and then the shoots so that's going to be the challenge um, i think there's maybe other things that i can do with um my field review and my monitor and we'll uh see if i can maybe like visually see where the car is going on the edge of the screen so it doesn't feel like i'm uh, part of the car is disappearing and you know help help with my vision to um, you know see where the car is going and and then also maybe make some adjustments to the steering wheel and force feedback and uh, give me a little bit more feedback so I can maybe make more precise uh, decisions with the steering wheel and where I'm going because I think with uh, the steering wheel I have now the Logitech G two seven it's it's very uh, there, there's a in the center of the steering wheel, maybe 10 degrees to the left, 10 degrees to the right. There's a, a bit of a dead zone, and I've been trying to read up in uh, today, like how I could uh, try to minimize that and get as much of uh, accuracy and feel out of the car without, you know, having that point. Because I think that may have hurt me. Because there's definitely um, a point in that car where, like, it, um, it wasn't like steering not only it wasn't steering right but like there's like you know a point of like uncertainty where where you're steering the car and like how much you're actually turning um and how you uh how you feel that in relevance to the to the uh the car on the screen and in the sim so that that's uh what i gotta work on and as far as qualifying goes so the bump day you know like i 
was pretty sure I wasn't going to make it in, but like I was telling you on uh, on Facebook Messenger, we're, we try to make a, a Hail Mary run, and that's what I was trying to do. But then going out uh, on the outlap, uh, I was on the front stretch, and then uh, I, I I guess I had because I have two monitors and. Uh, I had the you know the monitor in front of me obviously eye racing in full screen and then on the uh, right to me I had the the broadcast for race spot and then I was like you know what I don't want I don't want to look at I have it like in my face while I'm driving I don't want to be distracted so I I had like another window that was kind of like um kind of like next to the uh the window in my browser on 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 my other screen and so I I hit the maximize button on on that other window and then what what that did is it caused uh, the full screen eye racing to briefly go black and reorient itself to back to windowed mode. And so there's like, you know, two seconds where like both of my monitors were black as windows is trying to reorient all the windows and I couldn't see anything. And I was trying to hold the wheel straight. And since I couldn't see anything, I guess I started to veer to the right and then I hit the wall and, uh, you know, went over it a little bit and then went back onto the racetrack. And then I just, exited out of the car right after that because i knew i was finished and you know not going to attempt the qualifying run with a damaged car and didn't even get the green flag for the warm-up lap and, and um everything and that's really disappointing for that you know it's not really how i uh, want to go out like that and kind of embarrassing a little bit but you know um that's that's on me i own that that's a uh self and uh self-induced error you know, unforced error but we'll We'll continue to try and uh, continue to get better and progress. Um, and you know, already trying to uh, see what I can do better, and then um, you know, and just continue to have uh, have fun on iRacing and and um, not not take it too seriously. I mean, it's not the worst thing that's happened to me, and and um, uh, not going to be the last thing that happened to me like that. And you know, even in real life, there have been embarrassing moments and way worse. And even in the Indy 500, been way worse uh, moments like Kevin Kogan in 82 when uh, him, Mario, and AJ got into it on the first lap uh, of the start of the race. And, you know, with uh, J.R. Hildebrand in 2011 hitting the wall in the last lap of the race. And so um doesn't compare to what's happened in real life. But we'll, we'll continue to grind and uh, continue to try to figure out uh, how to how to be as fast as the people in the top split. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to go and, and make those fields. And I mean, my experience is going back to, you know, sim racing or going with NRO three back when NRO three actually came out and the, the older games and the indie car games like that. So I'm more old school. I want to get back into it for sure. Uh, but you know, fact you're able to show up and even be in a position to have pace and 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 do what you had to do is uh pretty cool and i think that you know with time and that 2021 will be an opportunity to get in some of them big ones wherever uh whenever split or whatever type of racing whether it's an indy car whether it's stock car whether it's sports cars i think the sky's the limit uh the GSP car will be out there in due time and Josh will be the lead driver for sure. Um, and uh, I mean, we will hopefully it'll give us uh, an opportunity to to see a race in the sim game. Uh, it's in, and 
in 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 the fact of matters when you consider there's over 100 competitors you weren't the only one you know you think about it that's what the indy 500 used to be you know that's part of why uh, why uh, tanner is running the race the way he's running the race and um you have to give him credit on that uh you know that's to go and have the kind of to run the race the way that he's running and and uh and have the opportunity um, that they have for the the open wheels 500 and to be able to pull this off um this year is is a big deal so um credit to them credit to um in the whole group everybody that's involved to make this thing happen yeah, openwheels.com and the race will be on sunday 11:45. uh uh, race spot tv on youtube so if you're listening you can go check that out uh it i think they'll have the veterans 100 and the pit stop competition on saturday the 14th i don't remember the times but that'll be on there too and i'm actually am entered into the pit stop competition uh for that which is i uh, basically like a, a four lap run and you do a pit stop kind of like the i guess the how all-star race in nascar how they used to um do the qualifying for that yeah. With, um, you know, the four laps and you had to do a pit stop. Uh, I'm I don't know if that's exactly how it is, but that's kind of the, the uh, gist that I get from that. Um, not sure yet if I'm going to compete. I'm, I don't know what my schedule is going to be like on on the weekend yet. Uh, but if, if I'm available for that, uh, definitely I'll let you know, Phil, and we'll we'll have that up. And and I think Race Spot's broadcasting both of those uh, events on Saturday. So um, as far as opportunities to get tv time i guess you could say um not quite over just uh don't know yet if i'm going to be available for that but i'll let you know yeah and uh it'll be uh it's going to be a deep field it's going to be um definitely a lot of uh, uh competition you're talking about international guys you're going to talk about people from here in the united states um you're talking to the top split winners i'm just reading off the site it's itself open hyphen wheels.com you know there's there's big names in here 69 drivers in the u.s international uh 41 you're talking about you know argentina australia brazil canada england germany ireland italy spain sweden and more uh, 14 former winners of the top split Indy 500 and the Open Wheels 500, Adam Blocker, Simon Bryant, Jason Brophy, Josh Chin, McKelly or Michelle Cosentini, uh, Christopher Demerit, Tim Doyle, Austin Espiti, Ray Kingsbury. If I'm jacking up any of your names, if you're actually even listening to this, God bless you. Um, follow us, give us a like, follow us on socials, but I apologize if I am jacking your name up. It's part of working my previous job, and I think the PTSD from that. Andrew Kinsella, Brendan Lichtenberg, Yang Yu, Yang O. Yang O, okay. Matt Powelski and Brandon Trino. And then, you know, in terms of... uh, uh, you know, 29 or 33 starters from last year showed up for this year. 48 drivers of at least one start in the top 
uh, racing Indy 500 top split, 11 to 12, 12 lap leaders back, 58 are newcomers. Um, Chevy, I don't get if um, how that really makes a difference, but whatever. Uh, who's Chevy and who's Honda when they're all... There's two... There's Chad Irvine and Raphael Sabara who uh, ran a non-IR18, which is interesting. That was one thing I was seeing the pictures of. A lot of the pictures of the Dallara toilet was out there and Chad Irvine uh, driving that. And then um, most everybody chose the IR18. Um, I'd be curious if they ran with uh, DW12 or with the arrow kit. Um, how that would be um, relative. Well, I'll give you on the iRacing doesn't have the aero kit uh, DW12. It only has the, the classic one from 2012 to 2014. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, uh, I think it would also be, I don't know what it was like running the DW12, but I think that would be an interesting little race. Maybe that's an idea for us. And go and throw back to one of the great Indy 500 champions himself and Dan Weldon, the two-time Indy 500 champion. God bless his soul. Uh, maybe that'll be an idea for us for uh, the for the GSP. Uh, maybe we can get help from Tanner or somebody else to go and pull it off. But wanted to give you uh, time to talk about it, and I will probably talk more about sim racing. Uh, during the off season since we will be on during the off season we're not going to go away uh, maybe during the holiday weeks we will but otherwise we'll keep on going talk about something just to bs uh you know bench race talk about the past talk about present future talk about football uh you know josh has a quarterback controversy now and Jacksonville as they're probably lining up to possibly get uh, Justin Fields but you know they're Jacksonville one uh, held off uh, Deshaun Watson and Houston Texans so messing with the draft picks of course uh, the Jets tried to mess with their draft pick situation um, on Monday night and uh, almost did but uh, New England came through there late. We'll talk about all those things, probably talk about other sports, you know, with basketball, hockey, not as much basketball, but really, you know, hockey's coming back here sooner rather than later, uh, baseball, and uh, whatever else comes to mind here in this uh, interesting time that we're dealing with here in uh, uh, 2020 and with all that's going on. Uh, before we uh, go off here for the uh, the night, uh, just wanted to give a little uh, uh, hit on the British Touring Car Championship. They're going to have their final race of the season uh, this weekend, Brands Hatch Indy Circuit. Colin Turkington trying to get another uh, British Touring Car title. He's got a nine-point lead on Ash Sutton, and... Uh, in terms of the 16, 25 point lead on Dan Camish. And he's got uh, 25 and 34 on Tom Ingram. In terms of the uh, points championship there, Colin Turkington, multiple champion in the British Touring Car Championship, trying to get another one this year. 
uh, team's title looks to be in BMW's hands along with the, um, but the manufacturer standings are a lot closer uh, between BMW and Honda. Ash Sutton has a 50 point lead in the independence standings. So he has a definite shot of getting the independence uh, title there. And then the Jack Sears trophy uh, will go to the, looks like the high rookie and, uh, or, and that's Michael Kreese. A bunch of people that I've never heard of. There's one chick, Jessica Hawkins, who I'm going to end up following on Instagram here shortly. Um, Bad Year actually is a part of the British Touring Car Championship because they rebadged the Dunlop tires. So if you want to know why they're Goodyear tires, that's why. Uh, the uh, Turkish Grand Prix, Istanbul Park, uh, this weekend. Uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, can win what would be his uh, record-tying seventh World Drivers' Championship if Valtteri Bottas has problems. He's the only driver that can hold uh, uh, Lewis back from his seventh uh, Drivers' Championship. Uh, What are your thoughts, Josh, on the race itself or what we should see at a track that was generally liked by the drivers but then dropped off because of money and and fan uh, or lack of fans how to look with these cars one of the only anti um clockwise tracks that they run on the circuit um but um i think it starts and ends with lewis but after outside of that does lewis go and finish the deal this weekend if not what do you see? Yeah, I think this will be an interesting race for the series going into the Turkish Grand Prix this weekend. And it's not a completely new track. And I think for some of the veterans like like Lewis, like Valtteri Botas, uh, you know, Daniel Hemrick, all those guys, I think. And, you know, like Kimi Raikkonen and uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel, I think that's the event that they're all kind of familiar, at least. They've been at this track before. So it won't be too much of an issue getting up to speed and adapting to the track for them. So should be interesting to see how that plays out and the kind of the challenges uh, that they're going to face coming back to a track that you know they haven't raced in in a while. And for some of the younger drivers like Lando Norris, like how well they can adapt to the track and 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 um, you know get a good uh, good finish, top ten points or you know possibly a podium, um, and how all that plays out. But I think Lewis probably finishes the deal. Uh, I mean, I can see him winning the pole or, you know, qualifying top two, one of those two most likely. uh, And he'll probably go out there and lead all the laps he can and win the race. And as long as Valtteri Bottas uh, doesn't, you know, challenge him for anything, then I think it's likely that uh, Lewis Hamilton wins the title and clinches it this weekend. And, you know, it's refreshing to kind of talk about a driver um, clinching before the season ending. You know, we talked about how NASCAR has decided to uh, conclude their seasons and you contrast that to Formula One. It's a little bit refreshing to talk about how racing should end uh, a championship and at least Formula One still does it legitimately. um, And hopefully it stays that way and they don't get any influence from the United States in any way in that department. But uh, I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Valtteri Botas, if um, he can at least pressure 
uh, Lewis Hamilton and you know at least give him something to fight for and it's not completely a Lewis Hamilton benefit as you often say on this pod and uh, it would be interesting to see if that could happen and you know I think it would be like to see uh, if Daniel Hamrick can or not Daniel Hamrick I'm sorry Daniel Ricardo can continue to build on the momentum as he leads uh, or as he leaves um, Renault and goes to uh, McLaren if they can get another podium or if they can get uh, a points finish uh, it'd be interesting to see if they can continue that uh, as they've been on kind of a recent streak uh, in that department and like to see if somebody like Lando Norris can get another solid finish uh, and continue his fight uh, to be the best of the midfield uh, look for uh, the racing point maybe Sergio Perez can put something together this weekend and and uh, get another finish for, and maybe not have the pit strategy uh, cost him a good finish like he did uh, the last race um, we'll see how that goes and um, and maybe he can put something together for his resume as he doesn't have a ride for next year. So it'll be interesting to see what Max Verstappen can do. If maybe maybe he doesn't have a failure this weekend and they can just have a normal weekend and get podium. And I don't know, maybe they could challenge for the win if they have the right strategy and they can pressure Lewis. But I mean, it's looking like it, it'll just continue to be Lewis Hamilton's race uh, to win on Sunday or his race to lose, really. Um, but, you know, it'll be a very early race. I think this one's going to be at uh, 6 a.m. Uh, Eastern time for people living in the United States. So you're going to have to get up early like you're getting it ready to go to work for that um, and to watch that. So, uh, you know, there's always the replay too. So just going to be interesting uh, to see what goes on this weekend in Turkey and, and how they can adapt to the challenges of that track. Yeah, Turkey, I mean, when you consider it's a track that hasn't been used, it's been, it was even in its best day, they weren't using it. And now that's been a few years, uh, the lack of a Viet, uh, Vietnamese Grand Prix might allow an opportunity for either Portimao or Turkey to come back um, next year, early on in the 2021 season. But we will see. Um, it would be something, uh, you know, if uh, Lewis Hamilton can go and lock it up here, um, it's more likely they'll lock it up uh, next race uh, at the first of two, two races at Bahrain. Uh, they ran uh, from 2005 through 2011. Uh, Felipe Massa won three consecutive years. And then um, they... Um, was it Ferrari and the McLaren won twice, multiples, and then they, uh, so then 2011, uh, Red Bull was the last winner. I don't know how the heck does that work. Darkest Grand Prix, 2011, Eccleston, Hellander, 2012, chose not to approve the Hells and, okay, so I don't know why. I thought they were right. Yeah, so, okay. And then Lewis won it in 2010. So that was when, uh, what is it, uh, Sebastian Bell and Mark Webber ran over each other. Uh, that was that race. So it'll be interesting. It's a cool circuit for a Tilkey Drome. It definitely is a good track. Uh, all the overtaken will really be going on after the quadruple apex left-hander turn eight. 
Um, there's a very long straight, which will probably be a DRS zone. They'll probably have a DRS zone coming to the front straight as well. Um, you have to kind of see what happens with that. Um, in terms of going to do that, do that, and then I'm going to go and do a little live. We're going to we're going to do it live. Write it down. We're going to do it live. Uh, you know, uh, talking about the um, the what is it, uh, Haas or Hass? If uh, you're part of the um, Sky F1 crew, uh, they are going to likely announce whether it's this weekend or Bahrain that it'll be Mick Schumacher and uh, Nikita Mazepan uh, going into the two cars there. Mazapan, of course, brings money from his dad. He's dad, so he's daddy's money. Makes sense. Gene seems to have a pattern there. Uh, it's part of the reason why before Tony Stewart, uh, his cup team was the drizzling shits. Um, so going and hiring a daddy's money guy that never has done anything really and of great significance in um, lower formulas. Uh, goes and uh, gets a Formula One ride along with Mick Schumacher, who should be in an S, in an Alfa Romeo, but for some reason they decided to keep Antonio Giovinazzi uh, for whatever reason, and it's not really worth going getting into the semantics because it makes no damn sense. Uh, because Alfa's not going anywhere, you might as well go and give somebody an opportunity that has veteran or he's got the or get the veteran leadership from Kimi Raikkonen and learn the circuits and learn what he has to learn uh, from them. But, you know, that's what Formula One's about. Yeah, they released their schedule, too, today. 23 races uh, in 2021. Yeah, the 23 races. And they haven't announced there's the fourth race because Vietnam's out. Brazil, at least for now, will be at Interlagos. They don't uh, know. They're trying to run it in on a track out in the rainforest to get rid of a bunch of trees and mess with people and mess with things. And it's typical Formula One. We race as one, but we're gonna fuck as many people over, and we're gonna go to we're gonna go to what's it called Saudi Arabia where they fuck people over <laughs> you know it's 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 kind of it's it's awesome how formula one it's a dichotomy how they go and they go and act as they're, they're trying to be uh, uh, a certain way and it really doesn't work so yeah two DRS zones I was trying to find out for sure yeah DRS two DRS zones uh, after turn nine and then the speed traps at the end of turn 12 and then the DRS detection for the seconds right before the final corner, and then they'll have a DRS. Oh, that's what it is. So the DRS starts just before the turn 11 kink and ends in turn 12, and then turn 14, just out of turn 14, just you go and you have the long run up uh, to turn run, turn one. Um, that's where they will have the two. So two DRS zones. So that'll be interesting. That'll be cool um this year and then um Juan Pablo Monterio holds the lap record at 124.770 and um that'll definitely be broken this weekend I figure it'll be um 
it'll 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 be down at least a couple of seconds, if not more, coming into um, this weekend um, for because of how fast these cars are um, relative to the last time they ran there back in 2010. Um, getting into the um, Formula Two, I talked about uh, Mick Schumacher. Uh, being there and also Nikita Mazepan. We don't know what else is going to happen. It looks like Yuki Sonoda. Right now he's currently third in points, but he's only got uh, five points or seven points on Robert Schwartzman and Nikita Mazepan. Uh, They're basically banking on Mazepan getting in the top five. Uh, I guess that means they either think uh, they're going to tell Schwartzman to basically fall out of races or... You know, Lundgaard is going to take a dive. I don't know. Because the top five in points in uh, Formula 2 gets a super license, earn enough super license points to be able to run Formula 1. Cal Milot is going to fall short, it looks like, uh, from uh, possibly advancing into Formula 1. But he's in the Ferrari Junior um, situation, probably will be in the Alfa Romeo um in 2022 when more rules changes come along the new car comes along sonoda is likely to be in the um alpha tori and coming in 2021 as long as he's able to hold on um to his top five place they only have one race to go we'll be talking about that here in a couple of races that's in uh, Bahrain, it'll be Bahrain 2, the Oval. The Roval race will be their final race of the 2020 championship. Uh, before, before we go tonight on the GSP, uh, Josh, um, have anything you want to promote, socials, um, uh, what you want to tell us before we uh, go here uh, this week? Well, um you know, we talked about football earlier, and I am ahead of you in our fantasy league now, so yep. I'm going to hang that on your head for this week at least, and hopefully continue to keep that up and and uh, be in contention for the playoffs and all that stuff. So it be fun to see how all that plays out. But, you know, you can always follow me on Twitter, uh, JP Huffine, uh, Twitch, UCLR2. Uh, uh, we'll continue to do more iRacing exploits. Uh, last night I, I did a... Um, you know, trying to get over the open wheels 500, got over uh, or not making it into that. You know, just went and did a 87 NASCAR Cup car race at the old Michigan uh, before the repave, and that was pretty fun. Had a had a good battle at the very end for the lead, uh, but didn't quite close it out. But it was uh, very fun, and ended up finishing second under caution there. But it was a, a fun event, and uh, I just saw there's a thing for um, I guess there. Um, David Land, the YouTuber, I guess, is involved in some effort to do uh, like a, a tribute to the Freedom 100 with on iRacing with uh, the Pro Mazda cars there. So maybe we can get a GSP entry into that or something and and uh, uh, be able to participate in that. I mean, I don't know what the details are for that, but I saw it earlier and might be interested in partaking in that. So we'll see how that goes. But um you know, again, JP Huffine, uh, Twitter, and then Twitch, you say too. Yeah, I mean, uh, been on a downswing. Uh, Dakota Prescott going and uh, getting jacked up because he plays for the Evil Empire, which is not America's team, the Dallas Cowgirls. Um, 
he should have flipped off the Joneses, but he's too nice a guy. And the Dallas Cowgirls are battling for a top five uh, spot in the NFL draft. And um, it kind of set my team uh, on fire. Uh, before that, I was in in pretty good shape. And But credit to Josh. Uh, Josh went and beat me there. If you were, it was, or I beat him. But then ever since then, it was a very close game, relatively close game. Uh, first four weeks, I mean, I went 5-0. and oh, and now I've lost three of the last four. The only win I've had is against a team that's basically shit the bed. Uh, they even cop to it, saying he's basically hasn't played all year and he shit the bed. So, uh, I mean, playoff, I mean, battles right now, uh, bye weeks or right now Josh is second and uh, he's in a position to possibly get a bye week in the fall brawl league. Um, Wilson, of course, because he's he's a he's a he's a mechanic. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. The guy's one of my best friends, but that mf'er I should have never invited that bastard into my league. Um, or no, that's actually Joe. I think that is Joe. Sorry, Joe's whatever. I mean, he's he's hot and cold. I think that'll kind of turn around. He's had a good run here. He's won five games in a row. It's two and two. So. Joe, I mean, he's a kid. He's father of two kids, you know, whatever. He's got high points. I'm second in points in that sense, so that's extra cash. He doesn't need it. He makes a shit ton of money. Josh makes money. Um, I'm poor. Uh, I need I need this money way more than either of them do. Uh, oh yeah, I when I got to pay up for that, as yeah. yeah. Well, we'll we'll take care of that. That's all good. I know you're. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, you know, and then we have Luke, a uh, new, new member as well as Josh, uh, El Duque, uh, he's in fourth and Wilson's fifth, Manny, a former winner. Um, he's more worried about the fact that his Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated. Um, he's on the, he's on the bump at four and five, losing four games in a row after starting four and one, uh, pit lane parley, Mike. Joaquim uh, has made a good run here in recent weeks to get within, to get tied. Uh, Clayton is uh, a game out there. And Professor Jay, after all the BS that he's dealing with, um, he's only a couple games out here with four games to play uh, here in the regular season. So a lot to play for. Um, We'll see if we can kind of circle the wagons. For sure, I need uh, a, a rebound performance uh, to possibly get myself back in play uh, for a wild card spot. Uh, Josh will be playing Luke in a swing game of sorts. Um, looks like the best matchup of the week by far. Um, every other matchup's kind of lopsided, so outside of that, but. Um, Josh and um, Luke's matchup and we'll talk about that and we'll go over our teams and more of that in uh, detail uh, since uh, this season's kind of coming to an end we'll have more time to talk about that in December I'm at Philip G Matthew on Twitter I'm on Facebook uh, facebook.com slash Philip G Matthew the grip strip podcast is at grip strip pod uh, on Twitter and uh, we're at philipgmatthew.com which is my blog, which um, I'm working on 
thoughts, uh, possibly getting some content out there uh, to be posted over there. I've written stuff for Sportlight, which is George Housen's site, where the Grid Talk podcast is. We're Formula One based, where I've been on there. Um, also work for Last Out Media. I haven't gotten anything out there yet, but I'm planning on doing that tomorrow. So it'll be a busy week in terms of content creation for myself. Uh, it's good to actually have some time and actually be able to function uh, relative to what I've been a- been going through recently. So um, we thank you for listening to the Grip Strip podcast. Uh, we hope you're taking care of one another and uh, wearing a mask, uh, social distancing, distancing, um, staying safe and uh, looking out for you and yours and also for your fellow uh, citizens here in this time that we're struggling in our society on multiple levels. Uh, you take care. Thank you for listening to Gripster Podcast. You can listen to us on, uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, you can Amazon Music, uh, Podbean, uh, Stitcher, and any most places where you can find podcasts, you can find Gripshire Podcast. So we thank you for listening to us, and we'll be back next week to talk about Formula One at Turkey, talk about the 12 Hours of Sebring, um, other races that went on, and uh, whatever else is coming along. MotoGP will be on the following week, and whatever else comes up in terms of the uh, silly season here on the Gripshire Podcast. Uh, Hope you have a good one. Uh, Thank you for listening. Take care.